Uh, if you're a visitor here with us this morning, uh, good morning to you as well. Welcome. Uh, we're really glad that you are here. In fact, your presence here is one of the reasons that we are here. Uh, one of the reasons that we exist as a church is to invite other people to follow Jesus along with us. And so no matter who you are, you're welcome here. And this is not a, hot, this is not a museum for saints, okay? This is not where they go to, people go to observe uh, sainted people. This is a family to which everyone may belong. This is a training base for winning spiritual victories, and this is a hospital for hurting people. Amen? Uh, if you're a visitor also and you don't have a Bible of your very own, uh, we've got a stack of them back there by the door, and you're welcome to take one and take it home with you as our gift to you. Uh, we hope that you will uh, join in with us and become part of the family here at Chillicothe Bible Church. This is a good place, and it is full of not perfect people, but people who are striving to follow Christ and to follow Him in an honoring way. And so uh, we hope you will join us and be part of that family, part of that group of folks. Uh, if you are a regular attender here, you know that we have been, up to this point in the year, for most of the year, been walking with Israel in the book of Exodus, and we've seen how they escaped from Egypt, and how they made covenant with God, and how they uh, built the tabernacle, and we're in the midst of that right now. But we're going to take a break from that this week and next and we're going to uh, spend some time in the New Testament for two weeks in Romans chapter 8. And as you make your way there, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, the year is 1991, and a young immigration attorney is stuck in traffic in L.A. It's a long day, and more than anything else, he just wants to get home to be with his wife. So he turns off the interstate and tries to take a shortcut around the massive snarl that is traffic over there. And the roads very soon become more and more unfamiliar. And the neighborhoods that he is driving through are becoming more and more economically depressed and deserted. And then his worst nightmare occurs. His car stalls in the middle of one of those neighborhoods where young predatory men prowl with guns and gangs. He calls a tow truck right away, but before the tow truck can arrive, his car is surrounded by five of these young teenage gangsters. And they're going to rob him, and he hopes that that's all that's happened. And just then, the tow truck driver arrives. And... He hooks up the car, but before he's allowed to leave with the driver and the car, he's confronted by the leader of these, these, the, this gang that surrounded this man. And he has to beg to be allowed to leave with the attorney and his car. And so the tow truck driver takes him aside, and he delivers a little sermon right there on the street this little neighborhood, he says, man, the world ain't supposed to be like this. Maybe you don't know it yet, 
But this ain't the way it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to do my job without asking you if I can. And this dude is supposed to be able to wait here with his car without you ripping him off. Everything's supposed to be different than what it is here. That's not a true story. Uh, It's actually the opening scene of a movie called Grand Canyon. But it rings true nonetheless, doesn't it? You go home, you can sit and you can watch the news, which I don't recommend. But you can do that nonetheless. And you can see that Vladimir Putin is chewing off big chunks of Ukraine for a renewed Russian empire like Catherine the Great. You can watch that China is laying claim to large portions of the South China Sea and everything within it, including other nations and their people and their land. You can see live video feed of ISIS and their compatriots sawing off people's heads and read their social media posts about them auctioning off women and children as slaves. And as you watch... The thought that will go through your head is this, man, it ain't supposed to be like this. The world is not supposed to be like this. Everything is supposed to be different from what it is right here. And as you're having that thought, you are thinking something deeply biblical. Know it or not. Because Right at the heart of the Bible, in fact, in a truth that it affirms on every single page, is that we live in a world that is entirely corrupted and corrupted by sin and sinners. And it corrupts every person, every nation, every continent, every field, every forest, every mountain, every ocean. And deep within us is this longing for things to be the way that they are supposed to be, and a recognition that they are fundamentally not the way that they should be. As many of you know, I got called home last weekend, uh, last Wednesday, I got a phone call that my grandmother had passed away, uh, my last living grandparent. And she was dear to me, and they called me on Wednesday and said, would you come and would you do the funeral? And I said, yes. And so I went. And I know that she is with the Lord. She knew Christ from a long time back. In fact, she'd been part of the same church for 51 years before she went to Jesus at 91 this last week. And yet, even as I was doing that funeral and burying my grandmother, there was a part of my heart that cried out, this is not the way this is supposed to be. And one of the things that I love about my relationship with God is that He tells us right here in this book, not only that this is not the way the world is supposed to be, but... Also, that there is coming a day when this is not the way that it will be. Amen? That this is not the world that God made. The one that we live in right now is not the way that God made the world to be. 
And it hasn't always been like this, and it won't always be like this, like it is right now. And he, one of the places that he tells us that is in Romans chapter 8. And if you have your Bible and you can find your way there, uh, find your way to Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. And if you, uh, if you need to look in the table of contents in the front, look there. But find Romans if you can, or have your neighbor help you. Uh, find Romans chapter 8, verse 18, and follow along with me here for just a few verses. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For their creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly. For adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. If you came here this morning and you came beat down or discouraged or feeling a bit hopeless, either with your life as you're living it or with the world as you live in it. There are three good reasons in this text why you can leave here feeling much more hopeful than you came in. And I want to show them to you. And number one is in verse 18, the fact that incomparable glory awaits us incomparable, incomparable glory awaits us. In this life, we struggle and we suffer. Amen? We have, we have moms and dads that have genetic problems as they come together and their kids are born with deformities and disabilities. We have diseases like Ebola and cancer and other things that strike with depressing regularity is it ever not busy at the hospital never criminals run wild in many places and even in good societies like ours a lot of crimes never get solved dictators oppress and imprison and torture and children are persecuted and beheaded and sold as slaves and even if nothing as strikingly bad as these things ever happens to you personally, the march of time is relentless, isn't it? I shared with our Sunday school class, you know, you, you get to 18, and man, you think, man, hey, this is great. And 18 to 21, man, is fabulous. You are 10 feet tall and bulletproof, and the world is your oyster. And you are as strong physically as you will ever be. And then you start, you crest the hill at about 21, somewhere between 18 and 21. You crest the hill physically, and you begin the long slide into obsolescence from there. Right? And your body does not get better from there. 
at least not usually. You may lose a little bit of weight. You may you know, gain a little bit of muscle here and there as you work out. You know, go to Pierce. It's worth it, okay? Um, it is. It's worth it, okay? I go, I go three to four times a week with Tony Sanders. It's, it's worth it, okay? We suffer and sweat and, uh, and, and wonder every morning why we're getting up to go do this. But nevertheless... We, uh, we go because there's some benefit to that. You feel better, you know, you're, you get your, you get your uh, endorphin levels up, your day goes better. But you know what? There's going to come a point when I can't run anymore. The knees or the ankles or something will give out and I won't be able to do it anymore. Just like the hair has given out, right? And it has migrated from the top of the head to the ears and the back and, you know, other weird places, Right? And you go, where, what, why am I growing hair where I, I'm losing hair where I want it and growing it where there shouldn't be any, right? Uh, and, and we start to age and we start to wear out and we start to break down and someday they will diagnose me with something or I will have an accident and I will check out. And even if that never happens, even if I just get old and one day pass away in my sleep, between now and then, I will experience what one guy said is the definition of aging, which is everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. (laughs) Right? And the world that we experience is broken. And we suffer while we are in it. Amen? But... Glory is coming. Glory is coming for those who know and follow Jesus Christ. And it's glory of such a kind that puts everything we have ever suffered, no matter how bad, in the shade. No matter how much evil we have ever endured, no matter how much pain and agony and how many times in this life, and it happens with depressing regularity that you feel like your heart has been ripped out and stomped on. No matter how many times that happens, we have glory coming. And it's of glory of such a kind that it's not even being it's not even worth mentioning in the same sentence with the suffering that we experience. I shared with the Sunday school class earlier, and this is true. You know, my, my wife has uh, six kids that she watches during the day. When our kids are at school, she has six other people's children that she brings in. I guess she gets bored. But... <laughs> She is superwoman, okay? And she has, one of the things that the kids like to play with is they have these little sandboxes, these little 12 foot, I mean, not 12 foot, 12 inch square boxes with a little bag of sand that comes with them and, you know, little end loaders and rakes and stuff, you know, and little boys like to run the stuff through the sand and up and down the ramps and whatever. It comes in a little cardboard box. Then you shake all the sand back into the box and put it in the cardboard and put it on the shelf, okay? And the boys think this is awesome, trucks you know and they're they're loving that right and it's a cool toy okay but in a sense what paul is saying in in here in romans is this if you add up all of the joy and all of the greatest experiences of your life and you compare them to that little sandbox and you compare the worst thing that has ever happened to you 
and you roll up all of the pain of this life together. That the best part of this life is having like one of those little sandboxes and, and being able to, and the worst part is like a paper cut. Okay? Or maybe I could put it like this. How many of you, raise your hand, if I offered you a mansion on the beach of your very own, in fact, on your own private island, would take it if you had to endure a paper cut to get it? Okay, how many of you would take the paper cut in exchange for the mansion? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. All right? Now, I would too. And why? Because the pain of the paper cut is not worth comparing with the glory of the mansion at the beach. Amen? I love the beach. It's one of my favorite places in all the world. Okay? I like to walk with the sand in my toes and the sun on my face. And the water lapping up around my ankles. Yes. Don't want to get too much deeper than ankle deep. Where we go, it's the shark attack capital of Florida. But nevertheless, okay. Would you trade a paper cut for your beach house? Absolutely. Okay. Why? Because the one is so insignificant and compared to the other that it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even relate. Your paper cut's going to heal up in a day or two and you're going to have your mansion. And that's kind of the idea that Paul is saying. That, that the, the best of this life is like a little sandbox. But the greatest of, of, of what you will experience is the beach mansion with a lot of sand. And on top of that, the pain of this life is like a paper cut compared to inheriting all of this. And we have incomparable glory awaiting us. In fact, let me just tell you this. I love the beach, but it won't even rate on the same scale with life in eternity in the presence of God. For one thing, you know, when I go to the beach, guess what? I have to go home. We run out of money. (laughs) Okay? We have to go home. But when you are home, you don't leave. When you are at home with Jesus, you don't ever have to go anywhere else. And you experience something that makes even the greatest joys and glories of this life seem insignificant in comparison. And and the pains of this life, as great as they are, seem absolutely immeasurable compared to the glory you're experiencing in God's presence. That's what incomparable glory is waiting for us. So that whatever happens to us, we can face it down. Someday, a group like ISIS gets started in America and they start chopping off heads in the streets of Chillicothe, which I don't anticipate will happen. But if it does, if the converter die guys get started here, we'll be able to face them down. You know why? Because we are facing something so much better that whatever happens to me doesn't even rate. So go ahead, big boy. Get your, get your little knife going. Because glory is awaiting me as soon as my heart stops beating.
and glory of such a kind that will make whatever pain I suffer seem like nothing in comparison to what is coming. You'll also see, if you look back at your Bible, verses 19 to 23, you will also see creation set free. Uh, Paul pulls back the curtain just a little so we can see part of the glory that's going to be ours one day and what it's going to include. And the first thing he talks about is the restoration of creation. And right now he says creation is subject to futility and under bondage to corruption and is groaning in the pains of childbirth. And we see that, don't we, as we look around. Because what we see in our world is that our presence on this planet comes at great cost to everything else on it. There are species that we have driven extinct. There is water you can no longer drink. There are places that you can't swim. There are places that were formerly pristine that are now occupied by our garbage and even our nuclear waste. Why is that so? Because according to the Bible from Genesis chapter 3 verse on uh, chapter 3 verse 15 on to the present day, the entire planet has been cursed because of our sin and our presence on it. And sinful people can't live in a sin-free world. And so God cursed the world and put it under subjection to us so that we could live on it. But nevertheless, the creation was not meant to be like it is. And one day, it's going to be restored. And when the restoration comes then the bondage of creation and its subjection to futility and its groaning is going to come to an end. Part of the curse on the woman, if you remember from Genesis chapter 3, was that she would have pain in childbirth. Now, I've never experienced that. I don't know what it's like, okay? Bill Cosby says it's like trying to take your bottom lip and pull it over the back of your head. Okay, he may be right. I don't know. But here's what I do remember from the days when Karen was carrying each of our four children. That there were real pains that went along with that. Uh, There was morning sickness that wasn't just in the morning. And that didn't last until 12 weeks like they tell you that it will. It lasted for 20 some weeks. And there were backaches and stretch marks and swelling. Not to mention the agony and bloodshed of the childbirth process itself. And yet, I remember too that when each one of the children was born, the joy that overcame her heart and mine too. In fact, I remember one time... Uh, when John was born, this is true, and, and I, 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 I do not know how this happened, okay? But Karen, uh, when she had her epidural, one of her legs went numb, and she couldn't walk. And so I had to help her get out of the bed and to the bathroom. John has been born maybe a few hours. On top of that, she had hemorrhaging when John was born. She had blood loss, 
And as I'm helping her to the bathroom a few hours after we've gotten all of that solved, she says to me, sweetheart, yes, we need to have another baby. <laughs> and she goes, I said, really? She goes, he needs a brother. I said, well, sweetheart, there's no guarantees on that. You know? And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, and by the way, let's, uh, let's, let's stop the bleeding and the, uh, and the not able to walk from the current one. <laughs> okay, but nevertheless, why does she have that reaction? Because the pain of childbirth has been overcome by the joy of the child coming into the world. Amen? And Paul draws the same comparison between the creation itself and the curse that afflicts every woman who has a baby. That the world that we experience, as it were, is in labor right now. And all of the pain and agony and all of the destruction that we see all around us in all of the created order, that that is like being pregnant with the sons of God. And that when they come forth, that when the sons of God are revealed, that the creation, the curse will be lifted from its bondage and the creation will be restored and put back to the way it was supposed to be. And pain will be overcome with joy as God's people are made manifest on the earth. It's an amazing, amazing promise. Something that gives us hope that this world is not the way it's supposed to be and it's not the way it's going to be either. One day, labor will end and the sons of God will be revealed. And joy will replace sorrow on this planet. Amen? C.S. Lewis in the last battle, his last book in the Chronicles of Narnia, this is my favorite book of his. He says this. He says, I have, he describes a guy who, who finally sees the glory that God has prepared for him. And he says this. He says, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the place I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. And from our Bibles, we read this, that the curse will be reversed, that the thorn and the thistle will be uprooted forever, that the lion will lay down with the lamb and the leopard with the young goat and the little child will be able to play safely by the hole of the cobra. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Dust will be the serpent's food, and they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. That day is coming. That day is coming. And our hope will not be in vain. The world will be made new. And finally, we will receive our adoption as God's sons. In the ancient world, it was to sons that the inheritance of property and, and the family name was passed down. And so, thus, Paul calls us, both men and women, sons of God. Because there is an inheritance 
that will come to us, that will belong to us, that we will receive because we have been saved. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, death and resurrection, uh, it is death as paying the cost for your sins, the penalty for your sins, and his resurrection is giving you new life. You have eternal hope of an inheritance that will be yours. And Paul clarifies what it is. He says, you will have the redemption of your body. The redemption of your body. And what he means by that is that you will live, it's shorthand expression, that you will live in God's presence in a holy city and your body will be made completely new. Now my body at this point creaks and pops at times. Like it's like a vinyl record, right? I get out of bed in the morning and this knee is stiff, right? And when I run, my calves wad up and I go, oh, oh that hurts. And I go, in, go into the room where they have that little block and I can stretch out my, my ankles and calves and so forth, right? And, and I've got a shoulder that I have kind of bursitis in. and you know, it's, it's terrible, okay? It's horrible to be old. It's awful. It gets worse from here, okay? And our body is failing and fading and terrible. But, at this, but there is a day coming when this body is going to be traded in for a new body. One without arthritis and bursitis and non-functional organs and without hair that is falling out and without other kinds of stuff where we see our weakness and the fading away due to our corruption of our bodies. And our body will be renewed and we will dwell in the presence of God. How do I know that that is true? Look at your Bible. I'll show you. Okay? It says, not only the creation, in other words, not only the creation is groaning, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. Here's what he's, here's what he's saying. How do you know you're going to get this inheritance, Paul? How do you know? Because you have God's down payment already made to you. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And the Holy Spirit is, as it were, God's mark, God's seal, His engagement ring, if you will. His down payment that shows you that He is going to complete your redemption. And so we know that our inheritance is, an, is a certainty because we have already gotten part of it, which is the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, we are saved through faith. And we are, therefore have a certainty that our inheritance is coming. And in the meantime, between now and whenever Redemption Day is, we groan, don't we? We groan and we suffer and we deal with agony in this life sometimes. Now, it's not all like having a tooth extracted through your armpit. I know. Every, every, every part of life is not excruciatingly painful, but a lot of it is. A lot of it is. And we groan when we experience that. 
But redemption is coming. Redemption is coming. In fact, we've already gotten part of our inheritance early. God has given us the Holy Spirit to change us now so that we have hope, so that we in fact have the certainty that our inheritance, the rest of it, is coming too. And we get the Holy Spirit like a down payment saying, I'm going to give you this now, and there's much, 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 much more coming. There's much more coming. And on that day, when it does come, we, you know what? We won't hope anymore. We will not hope anymore. In fact, all hope will come to an end. And it won't be depressing. You know why? Because, as Paul says here at the end of Romans 8, uh, verse 25, who hopes for what he already has? Answer, no one does. Why? Because you've already got it. You don't hope you will get it if you've already got it. And he says, one day our faith... Uh, one day our faith will be sight. One day our hope will end because it will be present. And our hope will die as it is overtaken by reality. And that reality will, will so overshadow all of the sufferings of this life, they're not even going to be worth mentioning compared to the glory we will experience. Glorious rescue is coming for all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's coming. How do I know? Because He has already given us part of it in the Holy Spirit to transform us and make us like the sons of God that we actually are already. And if you are a person today who has put your faith in Jesus Christ, isn't this good news? Isn't this good news? That this world is not always going to be like this. And most importantly, I'm not going to be like this anymore. I'm not going to struggle with sin anymore. I'm not going to be as short, fat, and ugly as I am now anymore. Okay? And neither are you. And I am not going to struggle and suffer with my body anymore. I'm not going to have to live in a world in which everyone seems to have lost their mind anymore. I am not going to put up with evil people and evil government and evil organizations and criminality anymore. It's all going to disappear. In fact, even the world as it currently exists is going to be overturned. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells forever among the people of God. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is the greatest news in your Bible. That the world is going to be better. In fact, so much better that this thing that we live in right now doesn't bear any close resemblance to it. We're going to have hope that lasts 
from now all the way to that day when it dies because it's swallowed up by reality. And like everything in this world has been a fake and a copy and all of a sudden we experience the real thing. And it'll be amazing. So whatever you're going through today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we have a certain hope of things that are going to happen that are going to far outweigh all of it. All of it. It'll be like weighing a feather in a balance against a 50-pound sack of nails. Okay? It's going to so crush everything that we have experienced up to now that it's not even going to not even want to weigh anything relative to what we will experience. Now, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, can I offer you hope today? Let me just give you this as a certainty. There is no hope in this world in anything that is out there. There isn't, it isn't out there to be found. The best that you can hope for in this life is that you will have some experience which will temporarily dull the pain of your existence. And so some people look for that and they, they find it inside a bottle of a Jim Beam or what have you. Okay? Or they stick something up their nose or into their lungs that makes them feel better for a while. Or they get with some woman or some man and they have... A, a sexual experience that is exhilarating temporarily. But eventually, you know what happens? All of those things produce their own forms of bondage and the joy fades. And there's not much hope to build a life on. But this, faith in Jesus Christ, this is hope that lasts. That outlasts, in fact, this life that lasts through the grave until eternity when Christ is present with His people and joy is given free to everyone. And there's only one way to receive it. And it's real simple. Jesus made it so simple. He said this, Follow me. Follow me. And what he meant was this. I've come into the world for a purpose. And that purpose is to die on a cross for the sins of men and women. And when I die, I'm going to make the payment for their sin. Their sin separates them from God, from a relationship with God, and from having eternal hope. And so I'm going to die and give them eternal hope through my death. That if they believe that I died on the cross for their sins... And then also believe that I rose from the grave to conquer over death, which is the consequence of sin. Then I will give them new life and I will give them eternal hope that lasts from now to the restoration when it is swallowed up by reality. If they will do that, then I'll give them hope now and until I come for them. And it's hope that is worth having. Because our hope does not disappoint us. God gives us the Spirit and He changes our life right now 
and for the rest of our life for all eternity. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And have hope that is worth having. Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank You for our certain hope. We do not think about and talk about these things as if they are some kind of a religious wish that we are making. We look to Your Word and know that it talks about things that are certain to happen. And we know that they are certain because You have already begun to fulfill them in the giving of the Spirit. And Father, we are so grateful for You and for Your grace to us and the hope that we have. And Father, we would ask that if there are any here who have never put their faith in Jesus Christ and do not have hope for now and eternity, Father, we pray that today would be the day that they would receive it. They would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross for their sins and was raised from the dead that they might have hope that outlasts the grave and the certainty of living in Your presence forever. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.